Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I am Julie Douglas. And we are still in the, the thick of the Atlanta summer. The heat is awful. The uh, the air just you feel it like just thick against your skin. It's like like wading through pudding, and, yeah. and it just numbs your brain. You forget who you are, and and all around us there's this cacophony. Do you A hear chorus. it? Yeah, just this this chorus of just insane insect noises, mm-hmm. and it, and it, you can almost feel it on your skin. Like like the sound we're hearing right now in the background it can't possibly do it justice because you because you you, you almost feel it and it, and it's, it has this this kind of rise and fall this uh, uh, crescendo rises up all around you and then it kind of m- murmurs back down again and it's just uh it's 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 amazing it's uh, it's, it's amazing and it's also a signal that uh, your summer overlords have arrived <laughs> right and it's it's not just us here in Georgia this is all over the world so. For all you listeners, you probably know what we're talking about, or most of you, because, you know, they're everywhere. It's the greatest insect in infestation in the world, cicadas. You mean like the best insect? A greatest, biggest. <laughs> okay. Uh, most, uh, craziest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it is, it's pretty crazy. It's, and, and just amazing to behold these guys, uh, cicadas or cicadas, if you rather. Yeah, um, yeah. You'll hear me go between both because yeah. it's a weird little language thing for me. But yeah, cicadas right now. Yep. Uh, but yeah, they, but, and, and they're obviously they've been on our mind because, as you said, um, they, they sort of usher in the hottest point of summer, at least here in Georgia. And you become very aware of this sound uh, permeating the air all around you. Yeah. Currently, we're dealing with uh, what is called brood 13 uh, because there are different broods of cicadas. Uh, and though there are numerous species for starters, there yeah. are like 3,000 or more different species. I suppose we should describe what they look like just in case uh, people are not uh, really familiar. Um, yeah, yeah. They are kind of monstrous looking or beautiful looking, depending on your opinion. Well, I think both are apt. Yeah. They, um, based when, when humans start really seeing them, they're, they're emerging as this little nymph, this little, uh, ground-based creature that looks kind of like if you've ever seen the um, Miyazaki film uh, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind, those big uh, giant uh, insects that are in that with the glowing red eyes, they kind of look like that. Mm-hmm. They, they look, they're kind of, they're really kind of awesome like that because suddenly they're everywhere crawling up the sides of trees. And they're milky white. So yeah, just imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and they really look alien. Like there is, I mean, most insects do have kind of an alien look to them, but these guys really look awesome. And they crawl up to a certain height and then they begin to molt. Right. right. And so they so they begin their life underground. So that's yeah, yeah. why they've got that kind of milky white body. And like you said, they make their way to the trees and then they begin to molt. And lo and behold, these beautiful wings just unfurl. Yeah. And they inflate them. And uh, and and once they're ready to go, they, they take off. They don't always get to take off. Sometimes there are some some flaws in the emergence ritual, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, especially like if, if there's like pesticide in the area, that'll mess with it. And they just end up being half emerged and something comes and eats them. But yeah, once they have those wings, then they're able to fly around, make just fabulous noises. And uh, and uh, they, they make different noises. Uh, they're, the males are making mating noises, but then they're all making uh, they all will make noise if they're approached by a predator. 
Right, right. So, um, and that's something we'll get to in a little bit, but yeah. that's important about that there's certain sort of calls that they make because, yeah. uh, they're actually pretty specific. I know it sounds, when you're hearing them, it just sounds like one big chorus, but there's actually very distinct noises emanating from that chorus. Yeah. And these guys don't sting. They don't bite. No, no. And they're not going to hurt you. Yeah. They're not going to ruin anything in your yard. Um, if anything, you'll get some nicks in the tree branches uh-huh. from the females when they're laying their eggs. But, uh, but no. They're, they're not going to hurt you. The only thing I did see, though, is Sir Richard Attenborough had a little clip that I saw, uh-huh. and he was hanging out with a cicada. And um, he <laughs> was making... Yeah, yeah, he was, of course. And he was trying to woo it. Oh. And he was making little uh, clicks of the finger like that, and it was coming toward him. It hopped down on him and began to think it needed to mate with him. Oh, my goodness. So if you were to do that, you should be... Uh, prepared for, for some sort of mating ritual to happen on your arm and perhaps even like the, the little probesis to start pecking away at your arm. Wow, man. Edinburgh is the best, really. I mean, yeah. I loved it when he, in the episode of Life of Mammals where he had uh, some hedgehogs come and do it in his backyard, but now he's actively <laughs> wooing uh, yeah. cicadas in, uh, I assume this is Life of Insects. I can't remember yeah. where the clip was from, uh, probably, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he just sexes up everything. <laughs> it's that voice. It's that approach. It's the wooing. Oh man. Gotta love it. Yeah. All right. Um, but we should probably talk about these, these guys, um, where we can find them, uh, in, yes. the, in the United yes. States, mostly in the Southeastern United States, in Australia, all over. In fact, there are 200 species alone in Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Those guys always get some good, uh, Good critters. Yeah. And again, we talked a little bit about what they look like, but again, you've got green bodied ones, uh, black bodied ones, brown, and so on and so forth, uh, and in various sizes too. The really amazing form of cicadas are, of course, the periodical cicadas. And, uh, and we're about to discuss those in a little more detail. You only find those in Eastern North America. Yeah. So sorry, Australia, but, uh, <laughs> but we've got the goods on the, on the really awesome bugs this time. I'm, you know. Yeah, and the periodical, um, we should talk about that a little bit, the difference between a periodical cicada and an annual cicada. Yes. Annuals, of course, come out every year, or yeah. members of the different brood or, or of that particular species will come out every year. Uh, so it's like, oh, well, it's guys, these guys from this particular species, I see those guys all the time. But then there are other, uh, cicadas, these, uh, these periodicals, and they will stay underground for Tremendous periods of time, especially when you think of insects, because so many insects live such short lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, the insect world is so hostile and and short-lived. It's just staggering that you have cicadas, periodical cicadas, with 13-year life cycles, 17-year life cycles. Um, There are seven species uh, of periodical cicadas, and there are four with uh, 13-year life cycles and three with 17-year life cycles. And we are in the 13-year, so these guys would have hung out in Georgia at least May through June. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's just really amazing to to think it's it's this presence that just vanishes for a decade or more. Yeah. You know, 17 uh, years underground, 13 years underground. And, um, and then the annuals are what we're hearing right now because it's July. Yeah. July and August. Excuse me. It's August now. And, uh, and that's what we're hearing up in the trees. So that's kind of cool. And, and we really want to talk a little bit more about those 17 years, 13 years, one or two years underground, depending on the species. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because they come, it's like this brief, not even the whole summer, you know, just a very brief, uh, um, you know, high time of mating in the trees and making lots of noise and uh, giving cats and dogs things to play with. Uh, but, but yeah, there's a whole prequel to the cicada life we see underground. Yeah. And it lasts 13 or 17 years for right. the periodicals. Um, generally, it's a lot of root drinking 
So it's not exactly is it's not nearly as exciting as the um, the tree mating. Yeah, goes, but uh, you know. Yep, those gotta start somewhere. Yeah, these these little guys they hatch up on the trees, right, right. out of out of mm-hmm. their egg, and then they make their way down and they burrow underneath the ground, and they they survive underground by sucking xylem, which is sap from tree mm-hmm. roots, um, as you mentioned, and it's through the proboscis, which is like a feeding tube, and uh, again, yet you mentioned too, these are called nymphs, yes. and. Oddly enough, like year after year, they live underground and somehow, and they still don't know why this is or how this is, they detect that this is the year that they need to emerge and that it's the temperature has risen to degree that it should, that would be good for them to go ahead and, and um, emerge from the earth. And that's when, as you mentioned before, they just kind of, you know, start making their way, slumbering toward the top of the tree where they then molt. Um, and this is really cool, too. Uh, after they mate, and we'll talk a little bit more about mating too, and their mating rituals, the females lay their eggs, and they use something called an ovipositor, which just sounds like it should have a trademark. Oh yeah, the ovipositor. Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the, it's it's in in species like uh, wasps and bees, mm-hmm. it is of course the stinger. Right. Uh, but in these guys, it has only one purpose, and that's to lay some eggs. Mm-hmm. The original purpose. Yeah, right. it's kind of like a samurai sword, just making these deep cuts into yeah. the, the, the branches. And then they deposit about between 400 and 600 eggs. And that's that's like the main crux of this whole thing. Yeah. 17 years underground just to emerge, mate, and then, you know, lay your eggs and die away. Well, it's that's, that's a genetic mission, you know, to, to, to mate. Put out these, uh, these young in the, in the tree and make sure that they, uh, that the brood can continue, you know? Yeah. And, and you had, uh, brought up an interesting question the other day when we were just kind of talking about this over the water cooler. But, you know, what, what do, if, if they could talk to us, you know, what might they consider themselves? Like they've lived 17 years underground. Yeah. In this one form and then they become changelings. And they unfurl those wings, and those those are the adults, and that's what we recognize them. Yeah, we as, recognize the adults as a cicada. Yeah, because well, for one thing, that's what we see. It is the adult form. It's the form that actually mates and reproduces. But for the for the vast majority of their lifespan, they are nymphs. So, I mean, it, in in a way, it's like which is the species, which is the which is the form, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is you know just one of those interesting questions. Like if they were looking at all the literature online, and they yeah. were like, hey. That's not me, really. That's me for two weeks, and then I die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like if somebody was was like, I can't believe everyone's published all these pictures of me on spring break. That's just me on spring break. The rest of the time, I'm a I'm a contract lawyer. But yeah, I don't see any pictures of me in you know, in a going, tie in a tie going through contracts with red ink. No, instead no. you focus on me and, and Miami Beach. Yeah, yeah, in a in a uh, a banana hammock. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's fine if you want to wear a banana hammock. That's fine. Uh, but anyway, yes, that is their mission. And, uh, and, and which brings us again to the, the whole mating process and the reason why that call, that, that, um, siren-like call, at least to the other female cicadas is so strong and so loud, sometimes up to 110 decibels. And just to give everybody an idea of what that sounds like, your lawnmower is 90 decibels. A car horn is 110 decibels. Now think of like, Thousands of these guys and gals, actually not the gals because they mm-hmm. don't sing, all in chorus. It can be deafening, as I'm sure some people know. Yeah, and I, but I think in a really positive way. Like I, I used to, uh, my family used to live out in uh, the middle of nowhere in uh, eastern, no, western Tennessee. Yeah, and um, I mean the forest would just 
buzz with these guys. It was just, I mean, the cicadas were also interesting in a number of other ways too, because you could go and pick the little she- uh, shells that they leave behind when yeah. they molt. Yeah. Because uh, the molting is, it's kind of like, uh, it's similar to what crabs go through. It's, 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 it's not like a cocoon process. You know, it's like they leave this outer shell that looks just like them. Or it looks, looks just like the nymph form. Yeah, it's like their little sarcophagus. Yeah. And you can pluck it off the side of the tree. You mm-hmm. can, and you can sort of stick it on your shirt. You can have it crawl over the head of a G.I. Joe man. Um, you know, all sorts of things. <laughs> the, the possibility For example. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just one of the many fun things you can do with it. Yeah. But yeah, it's like they leave all these grotesque little toys for you to chase your sister with. Uh, so, uh, I always enjoyed that aspect of it. And then, of course, cats and dogs have a big time with the adult. Uh, version. Yeah, I saw a photo of a Japanese artist who, and I think that she was a, uh, maybe a pop singer or something, um, who had adorned her head with them. <laughs> and it was actually with really cool looking. The adults or the, the nymphs? Uh, with just the shell. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the shell, but it was like a, a very Bjork move. Yeah. Which I admired. It, it looked pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you're talking about shells and you're talking about, um, what we're able to see, it really doesn't represent how many are actually out there because within one acre, you could have 1.5 million of these wow. little things hanging out uh, again. And that's, that's why you've got such a loud cry there. Um, and again, you've got the, the mating sound, which is really important because, that call, which is specific to this, to the particular species, right? Mm-hmm. Um, will attract the female. And it, you know, they're all competing for that female's attention. And I think it's fascinating that each one is different and each one is like, Hey, come over here. Hey, ladies. <laughs> um, and they'll actually all sing again in chorus, but they'll also fly together. And sometimes it's thought that the reason why they, they become so loud, too, is just to scare off would-be predators like birds who might find it so deafening that they don't really want to hang around them. Yeah, like if you pick one up in your hand, uh, it's going to start doing a lot of – or more of a cat starts playing with one. They're going to do a lot of loud buzzing. It's just kind of, hey, stay away from me kind of a deal. But that's the, yeah. the limit, really, of their defensive capabilities. That and just flying away, of course, which they'll try and do as well. Yeah. But in a moment after this break, we are going to talk about something called predator safety which is this probably one of the coolest sort of like warfare moves you could make as an insect. All right, here we go. This podcast is brought to you by Intel, the sponsors of Tomorrow and the Discovery Channel. At Intel, we believe curiosity is the spark which drives innovation. Join us at curiosity.com and explore the answers to life's questions. And we're back. So, okay. So again, this concept. Predator satiation, which yeah. is which is more like a defense move. It's not not an offense. It's, it kind of makes me think of the whole like if somebody um, is kind of like turning the other cheek, you know. Well, it's kind of, to me, it's like, hey, eat all of my friends here, <laughs> and then don't eat me. Let me just give you a buffet of us. Yeah. And then, which will ensure that the other. You know, 900,000 of us live because there are only a certain amount of predators that are going to eat the cicadas, right? Right. And so if you serve up, you know, 100,000 and they all get stuffed, then, hey, they don't, they're not really interested in the cicadas anymore. Yeah. Like it's, it's a brilliant move. They might as well just go ahead and put out a website with free recipes. Yeah. Because they say, like, come on, eat us. We're delicious. You can't possibly eat all of us. There are so many of us. Dude, yeah. dig in. We're, we're great. And indeed, I hear they are delicious. Uh, yeah, I have heard this, um, 
They are supposed to be protein rich. They are supposed, well, I know they are protein rich. Actually, they're, they're per pound, um, on par with red meat, actually, yeah. in terms of protein. They're supposed to taste like almonds. Ooh. And the males, because they have a hollow abdomen, they are reported to taste crunchy like popcorn. Oh, wow. And we should talk about the abdomen because it's really important in creating the deafening sound. Okay. Yeah. Um, the organs that produce the sound are called timbals, and they're a pair of ribbed membranes at the base of the abdomen. And when they contract, you get the internal timbal muscles causing the timbals to buckle inward, and then it produces a pulse of sound. And then by re- relaxing these muscles, the timbals pop back to their original position. And then in some cicada species, the, a pulse of sound is produced as each rib buckles. Yeah. How cool is that? I mean, it's basically huh. like your body is an instrument. Yeah. I can't do that. I would love to do that. Well, in a way, like we kind of use our bodies as an instrument, the whole like, you know, sing from your diaphragm kind of thing. I mean, it's uh, we're using a lot of internal space if we're singing properly. Right? Yeah, but if I could pop, you know, a couple of ribs and, and make a cool <laughs> sound, you know, to to for my uh, would be mates to start dancing toward me. That that would be an amazing skill. And it would it would be I, I, I'm picturing just a very kind of slightly grotesque, um, like solo music career. Where you're like, you're like doing your, uh, your music. What's your, your character name? Your, oh, Acoustic Girl. Acoustic Girl. You're doing yeah. Acoustic Girl. And then instead of like a drum solo in the middle of it, there's like a rib popping solo. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Right. And I'd be glamoring my audience. I've been watching too much True Blood, of course, with the glamoring <laughs> reference, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the really neat thing about these creatures. And again, this, this happens to be the year of eating cicadas, or at least it seems. There's stuff all over the web of what people have been trying to do in terms of eating cicadas, including a guy in Missouri. And this is from Huffington Post. Uh, he's got Sparky's homemade ice cream in Columbia, Missouri, and uh-huh. he sold out the only batch made, by the way, of the insect-filled dessert within hours of its June 1st debut. Well, on one hand, you can just say, oh, it's the novelty, and ice cream is going through that thing with foodies where let's make every possible version of ice cream possible, every weird flavor that is imaginable. So foodies are going to go nuts for it. It's like it's made from cicadas. Bring it on, and you know, even if it doesn't taste all that good. But um, but then maybe it is, you know, it's like we were, it's like, oh, cicadas are here. There's something in us. It's like we should eat these things. They're everywhere and they're high in protein. Like, well, yeah. on some level, we recognize that. Well, it's not unusual in Malaysia or Latin America yeah. to have this as street food either. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, oh, yeah, we've talked before about eating bugs. Uh, in fact, in the evolution of food uh, intro podcast that we did recently, uh, mm-hmm. they're high in protein. They're out there. We We really should be eating more of them. I'm disappointed that you said that we couldn't eat them during this podcast. Well, I told you I'm a vegetarian. Yeah, but as a vegetarian, like I say, you're going to eat insects. No, and I told you that's why. I do not drive a motorcycle because I don't <laughs> want to get any gnats in my The feet. average person every night, true fact, um, they uh, you'll in- accidentally consume six spiders per night. Why are you doing if this If you sleep to in, us, it's 12. To all of us out there who don't want to know that we've been eating bugs. Okay, that's not that's not a real figure. But uh, yeah. but anyway, uh, another interesting thing about these these broods, uh, like why the whole let's go disappear for 13, 17 years. Mm-hmm. It it's very it's very much like laying low. It's like the guy who steals a bunch of money from the mob and goes to live on the beach in South America yeah. for a decade before he dares sort of become a little more active. The idea is that these guys have enemies, but if you dis if your species 
has a habit of disappearing for nearly two decades. It pre- it prevents there from being as many specialized cicada killers. I mean, there are some predators out there who specialize in eating cicadas. Oh, yeah, like the wasps, right? Yeah, yeah. So they haven't, you know, completely dodged it. But, no. But it, it keeps there from being an explosion of cicada predators. Uh, and, but incidentally, the way they do that, but it's, it's kind of amusing the way they do that, though, is they end up having this, this large just uh, glut of cicadas. So everything becomes a cicada predator while the, um, uh, the emergence is going on. So yeah, yeah. It, it's but I like really that idea of like this witness relocation program to, yeah. to confuse the squirrels. Yeah. The squirrels are like, what? What? 13 years. I, you know, I didn't think you were going to come out in 13 years. That squirrel is already dead in 13 years. Yeah. Like squirrels would not be able to, to, to depend on these huge emergences for their survival. It yeah. would just have to be a treat when it happens. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. A treat for squirrels, a treat for humans sometimes. And if you want, if you want more information about the, uh, the different broods, I highly recommend you check out some of these, uh, these, there, there are some really cool cicada websites out yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, cicada mania, that's C-I-C-A-D-A-M-A-N-I-A.com is a really good uh, starting uh, point for a lot of this. And they have like these neat charts where they show like the different 17 year broods mm-hmm. and, you know, where they are in terms of, uh, of of uh, their emergence, like uh, I was looking at um, at uh, in particular, I think it's uh, brood eleven. It's a seventeen year brood, and it emer- they emerged in nineteen thirty seven in Connecticut. Then they emerged again in nineteen fifty four, and they haven't emerged since because they went extinct. Yeah, and it's it sad. it is sad. Um, yeah, I saw that on the chart, and I was like, oh. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to check out that uh, that clip of. Sir Richard Attenborough uh, wooing a cicada. You can also go to cicadainvasion.blogspot.com. They've got a couple different clips that are really funny and interesting. Yeah, we'll definitely link to all this stuff on the blog post that accompanies this uh, episode. So get out there, uh, listen to some cicadas, eat some cicadas, if you will. And if you if you have tried any recipes for these or had some of that ice cream, contact us. Let us know how it tastes. I'd, we'd love to hear about it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we are below the mind on both of those, and we would we'd love to hear about from you about any of these topics that we've covered. Uh, let us know what other topics you want us to hit. Uh, we're all ears. And if you're like me and you feel like cicadas are sort of like your harbingers of summer doom, uh, signaling the hottest part of the lazy days of summer and angst to follow, uh, you can always send us. <laughs> an email about your thoughts uh, concerning that at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com Be sure to check out our new video podcast Stuff from the Future Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow 